excerpt from chapter fourteen of life in the clearings versus the bush by susanna moody this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. excerpt from chapter fourteen novels form the most attractive species of reading here for the young and the best of these in pamphlet form may be procured for from twenty-five to fifty cents and here i must claim the privilege of speaking a few words in defence of both novel readers and novel writers in spite of the horror which i fancy i see depicted on many a grave countenance there are many good and conscientious persons who regard novels and novel writers with devout horror who condemn their works however moral in their tendency as unfit for the perusal of responsible and intelligent creatures who will not admit into their libraries any books but such as treat of religious historical or scientific subjects imagining and we think very erroneously that all works of fiction have a demoralizing effect and tend to weaken the judgment and enervate the mind we will however allow that there is both truth and sound sense in some of these objections that if a young person's reading is entirely confined to this class of literature and that of an inferior sort a great deal of harm may be the result as many of these works are apt to convey to them false and exaggerated pictures of life such a course of reading would produce the same effect upon the mind as a constant diet of sweetmeats would upon the stomach it would destroy the digestion and induce a loathing for more wholesome food still the mind requires recreation as well as the body and cannot always be engaged upon serious studies without injury to the brain and the disarrangement of some of the most important organs of the body now we think it would be satisfactorily proved in spite of the stern crusade perpetually waged against works of fiction by a large portion of well-meaning people that much good has been done in the world through their instrumentality most novels and romances particularly those of the modern school are founded upon real incidents and like the best heads in the artist's picture the characters are drawn from life and the closer the drawing or story approximates to nature the more interesting and popular will it become though a vast number of these works are daily pouring from the british and american press it is only those of a very high class that are generally read and become as familiar as household words the tastes of individuals differ widely on articles of dress food and amusement but there is a wonderful affinity in the minds of men as regards works of literature a book that appeals strongly to the passions if true to nature will strike nearly all alike and obtain a world-wide popularity while the mere fiction sinks back into obscurity is once read and forgotten the works of smollett and fielding were admirable pictures of society as it existed in their day but we live in a more refined age and few young people would feel any pleasure in the coarse pictures exhibited in those once celebrated works the novels of richardson recommended by grave divines from the pulpit as perfect models of purity and virtue 
would now be cast aside with indifference and disgust they were considered quite the reverse in the age he wrote and he was regarded as one of the great reformers of the vices of his time we may therefore conclude that although repugnant to our taste and feelings they were the means of effecting much good in a gross and licentious age in the writings of our current modern novelists virtue is never debased nor vice exalted but there is a constant endeavour to impress upon the mind of the reader the true wisdom of the one and the folly of the other and where the author fails to create an interest in the fate of his hero or heroine it is not because they are bad or immoral characters like lovelace in carissa harlow and lord b in pamela but that like sir charles grandison they are too good for reality and their very faultlessness renders them like the said sir charles affected and unnatural where high moral excellence is represented as struggling with the faults and follies common to humanity sometimes yielding to temptation and reaping the bitter fruits and at other times successfully resisting the allurements of vice all our sympathies are engaged in the contest it becomes our own and we follow the hero through all his trials weep over his fall or triumph in his success children who possess an unsophisticated judgment in these matters seldom feel much interest in the model boy of a moral story not from any innate depravity of mind which leads them to prefer vice to virtue for no such preference can exist in the human breast no not even in the perverted hearts of the worst of men but because the model boy is like no other boy of their acquaintance he does not resemble them for he is a piece of unnatural perfection he neither fights nor cries nor wishes to play when he ought to be busy with his lessons he lectures like a parson and talks like a book his face is never dirty he never tears his clothes nor soils his hands with making dirt pies or puddling in the mud his hair is always smooth his face always wears a smile and he was never known to sulk or say i won't the boy is a perfect stranger they cannot recognize his likeness nor follow his example and why because both are unnatural caricatures but be sure that if the naughty boy of the said tale creates the most interest for his fate in the mind of the youthful reader it is simply because he is drawn with more truthfulness than the character that was intended for his counterpart the language of passion is always eloquent and the bad boy is delineated true to his bad nature and is made to speak and act naturally which never fails to awaken a touch of sympathy in beings equally prone to err i again repeat that few minds if any exist that can find beauty in deformity or ought to admire in the hideousness of vice there are many persons in the world who cannot bear to receive instruction when conveyed to them in a serious form who shrink with loathing from the cant with which too many religious novels are loaded and who yet might be induced to listen to precepts of religion or morality when arrayed in a more amusing and attractive garb 
and enforced by characters who speak and feel like themselves and share in all things a common humanity some of our admirable modern works of fiction or rather truths disguised in order to make them more palatable to the generality of readers have done more to ameliorate the sorrows of mankind by drawing the attention of the public to the wants and woes of the lower classes than all the charity sermons that have been delivered from the pulpit yes the despised and reprobated novelist by daring to unveil the crimes and miseries of neglected and ignorant men and to point out the abuses which have produced and are still producing the same dreadful results are missionaries in the cause of humanity the real friends and benefactors of mankind the selfish worldling may denounce as infamous and immoral the heart-rending pictures of human suffering and degradation that the writings of dickens and sue have presented to their gaze and declare that they are unfit to meet the eyes of the virtuous and refined that no good can arise from the publication of such revolting details and that to be ignorant of the existence of such horrors is in itself a species of virtue daughter of wealth daintily nurtured and nicely educated is blindness nature does your superiority over these fallen creatures spring from any innate principle in your own breast which renders you more worthy of the admiration and esteem of your fellow-creatures are not you indebted to the circumstances in which you are placed and to that moral education for every virtue that you possess you can feel no pity for the murderer the thief the prostitute such people may aptly be termed the wild beasts of society and like wild beasts should be hunted down and killed in order to secure the peace and comfort of the rest well the law has been doing this for many ages and yet the wild beasts still exist and prey upon their neighbors and such will still continue to be the case until christianity following the example of her blessed founder goes forth into the wilderness of life on her errand of mercy not to condemn but to seek and to save that which is lost the conventional rules of society have formed a hedge about you which renders any flagrant breach of morality very difficult in some cases almost impossible from infancy the dread commandments have been sounding in your ears thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not commit adultery and the awful mandate has been strengthened by the admonitions of pious parents and good ministers all anxious for your eternal welfare you may well be honest for all your wants have been supplied and you have yet to learn that where no temptation exists virtue itself becomes a negative quality you do not covet the goods which others possess you have never looked down with confusion of face and heartfelt bitterness on the dirty rags that scarcely suffice to conceal the emaciation of your wasted limbs you have never felt hunger gnawing at your vitals or shuddered at the cries of famishing children sobbing around your knees for bread you have dainties to satiety every day and know nothing of the agonies of sacrificing your virtue for the sake of a meal if you are cold 
you have a good fire to warm you a comfortable mansion to protect you from the inclemency of the weather and garments suitable to every season of the year how can you be expected to sympathize with the ragged houseless children of wanton infamy you cannot bear to have these sad realities presented to your notice it shocks your nerves you cannot bring yourself to admit that these outcasts of society are composed of the same clay and you blame the authors who have dared to run a tilt against your prejudices and have not only attested the unwelcome fact but have pointed out the causes which lead to the hopeless degradation and depravity of these miserable fellow-creatures you cannot read the works of these humane men because they bid you to step with them into these dirty abodes of guilt and wretchedness and see what crime really is and all the horrors that ignorance and poverty and a want of self-respect never fail to bring about you cannot enter into these abodes of your neglected and starving brothers and sisters these forlorn scions of a common stock and view their cold hearths and unfurnished tables their beds of straw and tattered garments without defilement or witness their days of unremitting toil and nights of unrest and worse far worse to behold the evil passions and crimes which spring from a state of ignorance producing a moral darkness that can be felt you are insulted and offended at being seen in such bad company and cannot for a moment imagine that a change in your relative positions might have rendered you no wiser nor better than them but let me ask you candidly has not the terrible scene produced some effect can you forget its existence its shocking reality the lesson it teaches may be distasteful but you cannot shake off a knowledge of its melancholy facts the voice of conscience speaks audibly to your heart that still small voice that awful record of himself that god has placed in every breast and woe be to you or any one when it ceases to be heard tells you that you cannot without violating the divine mandate love thy neighbor as thyself leave these miserable creatures to languish and die without making one effort to aid in rescuing them from their melancholy fate but what can i do i hear you indignantly exclaim much oh how much you have wealth a small part of which cannot be better bestowed than in educating these poor creatures in teaching them to recognize those divine laws which they have broken in leading them step by step into those paths of piety and peace they have never known ignorance has been the most powerful agent in corrupting these perishing criminals give them healthful employment the means of emigrating to countries where labor is aptly remunerated and will secure for them comfort independence and self-respect in canada these victims of overpopulation prove beneficial members of society while with you they are regarded as a blight and a curse numbers of this class are yearly cast upon these shores yet the crimes which are commonly committed by their instrumentality in britain very rarely occur with us we could not sleep with unfastened doors and windows near populous towns 
if the change in their condition did not bring about a greater moral change in the character of these poor immigrants. They readily gain employment, their toils are aptly remunerated, and they cease to commit crime to procure a precarious existence. In the very worst of these people some good exists. A few seeds remain of divine planting, which, if fostered and judiciously trained, might yet bear fruit for heaven. The authors, whose works you call disgusting and immoral, point out this, and afford you the most pathetic illustrations of its truth. You need not fear contamination from the vices which they portray. Their depravity is of too black a hue to have the least attraction, even to beings only removed a few degrees from the same guilt. Vice may have her admirers when she glitters in gold and scarlet, but when exposed in filth and nakedness, her most reckless devotees shrink back from her in disgust and horror. Vice, without her mask, is a spectacle too appalling for humanity. It exhibits the hideousness and breathes the corruption of hell. If these reprobated works of fiction can startle the rich into a painful consciousness of the wants and agonies of the poor, and make them, in spite of all the conventional laws of society, acknowledge their kindred humanity, who shall say that their books have been written in vain? For my own part, I look upon these authors as heaven-inspired teachers, who have been commissioned by the great Father of Souls to proclaim to the world the wrongs and sufferings of millions of his creatures, to plead their cause with unflinching integrity, and, with almost superhuman eloquence, demand for them the justice which the world has so long denied. These men are the benefactors of their species, to whom the whole human race owe a vast debt of gratitude. Since the publication of Oliver Twist, and many other works of the same class, inquiries have been made by thinking and benevolent individuals into the condition of the destitute poor in great cities and manufacturing districts. These works brought to light deeds of darkness, and scenes of oppression and cruelty, scarcely to be credited in modern times and in Christian communities. The attention of the public was directed towards this miserable class of beings, and its best sympathies enlisted in their behalf. It was called upon to assist in the liberation of these white slaves, chained to the oar for life in the galleys of wealth, and to recognize them as men and brethren. Then sprang up the ragged schools, the institutions for reclaiming the youthful vagrants of London, and teaching the idle and profligate the sublime morality of sobriety and industry. Persons who were unable to contribute money to these truly noble objects of charity were ready to assist in the capacity of Sunday school teachers and add their might in the great work of moral reform. In overpeopled countries like England and France, the evils arising out of extreme poverty could not be easily remedied, yet the help thus afforded by the rich contributed greatly in ameliorating the distress of thousands of the poorer classes. To the same source we may trace the mitigation of many severe laws. The punishment of death is no longer enforced but in cases of great depravity. 
mercy has stepped in and wiped the blood from the sword of justice hood's song of the shirt produced an almost electric effect upon the public mind it was a bold truthful appeal to the best feelings of humanity and it found a response in every feeling heart it laid bare the distress of a most deserving and oppressed portion of the female operatives of london and the good it did is at this moment in active operation witness the hundreds of workwomen landed within the last twelve months on these shores who immediately found liberal employment god's blessing upon thee thomas hood the effect produced by that work of divine charity of thine will be felt long after thou and thy heart-searching appeal have vanished into the oblivion of the past but what matters it to thee if the song is forgotten by coming generations it performed its mission of mercy on earth and has opened for thee the gates of heaven such a work of fiction as the caxtons refreshes and invigorates the mind by its perusal and virtue becomes beautiful for its own sake you love the gentle humanity of the single-hearted philosopher the charming simplicity of his loving helpmate and scarcely know which to admire the most catherine in her conjugal or maternal character the noble but mistaken pride of the fine old veteran roland the real hero of the tale or the excellent young man his nephew who reclaims the fallen son and is not too perfect to be unnatural as many fine moral lessons can be learned from this novel as from most works written expressly for the instruction and improvement of mankind and they lose nothing by the beautiful and attractive garb in which they are presented to the reader our blessed lord himself did not disdain the use of allegory which is truth conveyed to the hearer under a symbolical form his admirable parables each of which told a little history were the most popular methods that could be adopted to instruct the lower classes who chiefly uneducated require the illustration of a subject in order to understand it aesop in his inimitable fables portrayed through his animals the various passions and vices of men admirably adapting them to the characters he meant to satirize and the abuses he endeavored through this medium to reform these beautiful fictions have done much to throw disgrace upon roguery selfishness cruelty avarice and injustice and to exalt patience fidelity mercy and generosity even among christians who were blessed with a higher moral code than that enjoyed by the wise pagan and they will continue to be read and admired as long as the art of printing exists to render them immortal every good work of fiction is a step towards the mental improvement of mankind and to every such writer we say godspeed end of excerpt from chapter fourteen of life in the clearings versus the bush by susanna moody